This is another episode of Main Corpse. I am your host, Matt. And I'm Kelsey. This is Kelsey. We have got a story for you that's going to turn the stomach. All right, welcome back to Main Corpse. Brand new episode about to come at you. I thought that would sound really cool. And it did. Uh, because I heard someone else say it one time, and they were like, it's coming at you. And I was like, yeah, new episode, coming at you. Uh, we sound like young, hip people right now. Not at all. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm Kelsey. And you are listening to Main Corpse Podcast. And I have got a very, very special episode lined up for you guys today. This is a Matt episode, so you know what that means. Probably a cult? No. It's going to get preachy, ah. is what I was saying. It's going to get like, <laughs> you know... Uh, I, I can't help but like, uh, you know, put my own my own thoughts out there with it. So we're going to get to that in just a minute. No spoilers on what that is quite yet. Uh, but before we get started, we actually have an update on something that Kelsey had a chance to do this week. So Kelsey, go ahead. I got to go to the very first event that Main Corpse was a vendor at. We got to hang out at the Clerksburg First Fridays. We were there from 4.30 to 8, and it was really cool. Um, we got a ton of support. I think we're going to get some new listeners, maybe. Yeah. And um, a lot of people came up to us, told us things they wanted us to talk about, so I'm really excited about that. Please, I hope everybody feels free to let us know if there's something you want to hear, because we love talking about crime with people. We wouldn't do this if we didn't. Yeah, um, and I wasn't there. <laughs> Uh, but I heard great, great stuff, and I will be there for the next two, for sure. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's super exciting. Yeah, that there was, was super a lot fun. of really good food. I got to talk to really cool people who make really great things, and we're probably going to feature some of that. And we got to meet some Jedis. That was neat. I think they were Jedis. I don't know. Yeah. There were lightsabers involved. Yeah, they ha I was getting. I was at work, and I was getting text messages of uh, of people lightsaber fighting in the middle of downtown Clarksburg. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, join us for First Fridays in Clarksburg if you live in the general area. Um, it, you should support it anyway. It's really cool. It's a chance to meet. Um, you know, local businesses who are trying to expand their brand a little bit, um, try local food, meet new people. It's really, really cool. And please come down, talk to us, say hi, tell us what you like about the show, tell us what you don't like about the show. Yeah. We'll probably listen to it. Talk about how great I am. I'm fine with that. Get a crisp high five, some free candy, yeah. probably. Stickers. Oh, stickers. we gave out stickers and they went like hotcakes. They were. Yeah, I think I have those. like yeah. eight left. Yeah, we have to order more and. Uh, for those of you wondering, we're not going to put up any spoilers on what it looks like, but we also have some new signage that's going to go up behind our table next time. So I'm very excited for you guys to see that, too. All right. So what food do we have today, Kelsey? You're the one who found this one. So explain I went to, what we have. I went to the local farmer's market this morning, and um, the food truck, the lunchbox, was there. So I got the lunchbox smash burger and Filipino egg rolls. So that contains a whole bunch of stuff. It's a cheddar American blend cheese sauce. With bacon, cherry bomb peppers, lettuce, tomato, and onion on this, like, really nice smash burger. And I went ahead and just got a double smash burger because it's already, like, a guilty pleasure kind of thing. You mm -hmm. might as well go big or go home. And then the Filipino egg rolls are 
a beef and pork blend with cabbage, scallion, carrots served with sweet chili sauce. And I'm really excited to try all of it. Yeah, me too. I'm going to get some pictures of it before we tear it up. That burger looks absolutely awesome. Oh, it does, doesn't I'm it? I'm so excited. Pictures taken. So now we can move on and actually try it. And yeah, it looks so good. And the sauce that comes with the egg rolls, mm-hmm. I'm really excited. Where are we going to start? What do you think? Let's start with the egg rolls. Agreed. All right, cool. Um, I'm going to start with no sauce. Yep, same. Cool. And the seasoning on that is so good. That's a really good egg roll. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, my God. I had a chance to stay in the Philippines for a while. And they have something over there called um, lumpia. That's like a Filipino-style mm-hmm. egg roll. And I believe that's what they're trying to do here. And it's really so good. good. Yeah, this is excellent. How's the sauce? So good. Well, now I'm glad that we didn't just half an egg roll. Mm-hmm, me too. These are so good. Guys, these egg rolls are fantastic. I have to come up with something else to say because um, Brittany called me out on us saying it's so good literally every episode. Well, you know, Brittany is the one who has to listen to it all the time. So she would hear those uh, little eccentricities that we have, I suppose. But Brittany, oh, it's so good. It it's is so, so good. good. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm not, I can't stop eating it, so. Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm going to finish the egg roll and then try Mm -hmm. the burger. They also had, like, banana pudding and stuff, but it was sold out. Oh, banana pudding sounds so good right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. The flavors in that and the seasoning, out of this world. 10 out of 10 on the egg roll. Mm-hmm. Wow. And for those of you who don't want to eat garbage, they also have um, a strawberry salad that they're doing for the summer, which I thought was pretty cool for a food truck. Yeah, that's really, really cool. We did not get the salad. Mm-mm. We we went we went burger heavy and we went um, egg roll heavy. So this burger, by the way, the pictures don't do it justice. When you see this thing in person, it is uh, it's wild. So let's give that a shot. Okay, so as a burger snob, this is pretty darn perfect. Mm. I mean, this is those peppers are this is really yeah. Good. So the burger is pretty thin uh, for a smash burger. It's a little thick. I usually when I see smash burgers, I think really thin. So when you said smash burger and I saw how thick it was, I was uh, on the fence. The flavor is fantastic. The texture of the ground beef is amazing. Mm-hmm. The sear that they got on it is still crispy, even though this is, has gotten a little bit cold. The bacon is really flavorful. Mm-hmm. The peppers absolutely add just a ton of flavor. It tastes like it's got queso on it because of the peppers. Does that make sense? Well, and that cheese sauce, mm-hmm. the two combined. I don't have any notes other than maybe the... Bun needs to be like a sturdier bun. I would agree with that. I don't have a note. I do have a note. I wish the onion was onion jam. Oh, onion jam would be so good on that. Uh huh. Agreed. What were they called again? The lunchbox. All out delicious. Really, really good. Um, You can follow them on Facebook mm -hmm. to see where their truck's going to be. They're local to Bridgeport and they are gaining a lot of traction really fast. I can understand why. That is a really impressive, Mm -hmm. impressive burger and those egg rolls i'm gonna be real um if they're set up every sunday there i'm gonna be there to get those egg rolls i think they generally are yep i'm gonna be there i'm gonna follow their facebook page and i will uh i will pop up and just kind of scare them every sunday and say Mm -hmm. give me some egg rolls um i have to go record a podcast where we eat food but i had to stop and get your egg rolls first 
so, so, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Dip it in. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So now we're changing the game and we're dipping it in the <laughs> uh, the Filipino sauce. Because so the sauce is so good. The sauce is absolutely delicious. Mm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Guys, if you get a chance to get to... Uh, the lunchbox, very good. Yeah, it's I, at first I was thinking it wasn't going to be anything special. This is a uh, this is a different kind of burger. Mm-hmm. I agree with your bun comment. But literally, besides that, I have no other. Nothing else. Even their prices were pretty reasonable from what I saw for what you're getting. I mean, yeah. So the burger was thirteen dollars because I added the extra. Yeah, you added burger the extra to pay. it. Yeah, and then the Filipino egg rolls are six fifty. Okay, that's, see that's. I feel like that's reasonable for the amount of food we got. If you're two people mm-hmm. and you split the egg rolls and split a double burger, mm-hmm. you're getting you're getting your your food for under twenty bucks, and you're getting a hell of a meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really good. I would not be able to eat that double on my own. Um, I would need someone to help me with that because that is a lot of food. Well, so, I also expected it to be flatter. Oh when I yeah, ordered it because when, when I'd it never thin. eaten here before. Exactly. So. Lesson learned. Single mm-hmm. next time I go, for sure. Um, really, really mm-hmm. impressive, though. I, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, 10 out of 10 <laughs> all all day mm-hmm. long. The only thing, again, the bun, it's okay. It's a delivery device for deliciousness, so mm-hmm. that's fine with me. But the bun could be part of the experience a mm-hmm. little bit more. Um, okay, okay. So, uh, by the way... Quick update on Leonard's, which is one of our favorites on this show. Uh, They have built a brand new deck outside, and I got to dine on it last night, and it was absolutely awesome. Really, really well done. Great, uh, great, great scenery out there, Um, and the food is still... Is this pulled pork on the menu, or is that just something... It is not. Ooh, (laughs) okay. Derek, if you're listening to this, you have to add your pulled pork to your menu, buddy. Uh, we, we got mm-hmm. it for, you got it for catering. I got it for a catering for work mm-hmm. and, um, it was fantastic. And every time I have to do a catering for work, I go to Leonard's and it's because I get complimented and I like to preen on compliments. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, Derek does all the work and you get, uh, and you I get, get all the praise for knowing food. he exists. All right. So now we still have to talk about our subject for today. Which I am going to say is one that I've waited a long time to do because I, I kind of wanted to find the right way to handle it um, because I feel like this is one of the most mishandled stories in all of true crime. And that is the story of Elva Zona Hester, better known by the, the name the Greenbrier Ghost. I use her name for a reason. Because, to me, the ghost is secondary in the story, and I'm going to tell you why. Not to not to undermine any of you you ghost fans, paranormal people, but the ghost thing has been overblown. I feel like, and I'm going to explain why I think that is here in just a moment. But what I want to do is I want to focus on Elva Zona Hester herself and a little bit about who she was and where she came from before we get into her story. Because sadly, due to the uproar around the Greenbrier ghost aspect of it, a lot of people have kind of forgotten who she was and what her real story was. And it was it was really, really sad, to be honest with you. Um, so she was born in Greenbrier County, West Virginia in 1873. Um, In November of 1895, at age 22, Zona, um, which is what she went by, 
had a child out of wedlock. Did you know that about her? I did not. Yeah, so she had had a child out of wedlock. Um, and obviously, at the time that, that she was living at age 22, it would have been, again, 1895, this was not something that was looked fondly upon, right? She was shunned locally for having a child out of wedlock. Um, a lot of the newspapers and a lot of the hubbub surrounding her death tried to paint her as this picture of innocence. But the real story about her is she was kind of a wild child. Um, she she was kind of tough for her mother to control. Obviously, she went out and got pregnant and had a child out of wedlock. And she was not um, super popular in, in the area that she lived. Because, again, you're talking about basically the southern United States. Mother out of wedlock. Very young woman. Um, so, obviously, she had kind of a tough life up until this point. Uh, she was um, likely seen as the type of woman that was not decent, um, and anyone who would who would be a decent man likely would not want to uh, want to marry her. Uh, well, this is where someone enters the story named um, Erasmus Stribling Trout Shoe. From this point forward, we will call him Trout. Okay, uh, because that's what locals called him. He actually went by Trout. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. He sure did. Um, and he was a local blacksmith. So Trout was born in either 1861 or 1862 in Virginia, but grew up in Droop Mountain, West Virginia. He's reported to have been at least 11 years older than Zona at the time they met. So he was at least 11 years older than her, which is a significant difference, especially by today's standards but back then that would have been uh, that would have been a lifetime of, of difference in age so he's reported uh to again have been about 11 years her elder and at some point he changed his name to simply edward but again he was known in the local area as trout um which you know kelsey just about lost it when i said that so yeah he had, um, according to most, led a pretty tough and unstable life leading up to meeting Zona. Um, with Zona, he felt like he had found stability. Um, he had also found stability in, in the lucrative blacksmith trade, which he had actually learned from his father. And he started using that to try to build a better life for himself. Um, so on a visit to the blacksmith's shop um, with her family in the fall of 1896, Zona met him and became infatuated with Trout. Um, she returned soon after this and let him know uh, that she was interested in him. And by all accounts, things moved really, really quickly. And the two were married on October 20th of 1896, shortly after meeting. Everything kind of seemed like it was a dream come true for both of them. Mm -hmm. But there were some other parties involved here that were not super excited about this. Things got a little dark once we started to break down Trout's life before meeting Zona. So Zona wasn't actually his first wife. This stuff came out during the trial. She wasn't his first wife. I'm trying to find the right way to say this because there's so much misinformation around him and around her. It's kind of hard to tell uh, because I've, I've read different accounts. Um, Trout had been married twice before her, which again, in the 1800s was really, really odd. Uh, you, you did not marry and divorce and marry and divorce at this time in American history. It just didn't happen. Um, so again, in 1885, he married Ellen Cutlip 
and in 1887, they had a daughter uh, named Gerda Lucretia Shue. Um, in 1888, they were separated, and in 1889, they officially divorced. In 1894, uh, Trout married Lucy Tritt, and within a year, Lucy was dead. There was no record as to how Lucy died, but stories range anywhere from she fell on ice while she was pregnant um, to her being hit in the head with a brick accidentally dropped by her husband um, to being deliberately poisoned. So, again, these stories came about really during the what, what would turn into a very famous trial. Um, at the time, this was this was the big news. Everybody was following this, and there was so much misinformation. Um, it was all over the place. But his first wife left. Um, his second wife died kind of mysteriously, and nobody really knows what happened. But they do know that she was pregnant when she died, which is a really really big um, really big part of this. Okay, but it's all over the place. We don't truly know what exactly happened to her, his second wife, but. We know that she that she died. So again, we have a very young, at only 22 years old, Zona, who meets this man who is 11 years older than her. And at this point, he's a mystery to her because he has led um, a pretty wild life until this point. And he's only just finding stability. So to me... Everything about this spells disaster. I don't know about you, but the red flags are all over the place. The oh, fact that sure. he married her so quickly, um, the fact that he had been married twice before, and then again in the trial, some more stuff came out about his previous marriages. So, how are you feeling so far? So, he he married her really quickly, but that mm -hmm. wasn't that weird for that time period. Fair point. That That wasn't strange. No one would really... I mean, the only thing... I feel like anyone would raise some eyebrows over is he married someone who had never been married with a child. Yeah. And that, that would that, definitely... That would be yeah. something that people were like, oh, why would you do something like that? But... Yeah. Going back to their marriage, they were married in October of 1896. Mm -hmm. Zona's body was discovered on the morning of January 23rd, 1897. So approximately... Well, not even three months. Well, yeah, just over three months after they mm -hmm. were married. Her body was discovered at the bottom of a staircase by a young neighborhood boy um, that Trout had hired to do chores around the house. The boy's mother reported um, that he had found a body and sent a doctor to the house. When the doctor arrived, Trout had moved the body to their bedroom and had already started changing her clothes to prepare her for burial. Okay, that's sketchy. Very sketchy. So the the boy was hired to do chores around their house, and that morning he says he opened the door to their house, started doing his chores, he turned a corner, saw the body, fled the house, and told his mother. His mom reports what happens, and a doctor is immediately dispatched to the house to Did find it say out how what's old going the boy on. was. Does not. Not okay, that I was, I was able to find. I was going to say, like, why wouldn't he like? I don't know, tell her husband first instead of running home to his mom. I thought the same thing, and more about why he might not have, I, I'll explain why okay. I think he might not have later. Okay. Because, by all accounts, this guy was kind of scary. Um, so, if he was working around the house, I'm assuming this boy might have seen some things. 
Ah. And we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. Because this guy is brazen, which you will find out later on. He is he is the type of guy who just thought he was untouchable. Apparently he was a very good looking guy, which is why he he kind of carried himself with some swag. You Love know me a I mean? man with audacity. Yeah, he's definitely got <laughs> some audacity. That's for sure. So... This gets nutty. Because it's not already nutty. FYI, this gets this gets weird, okay? So, the boy's mother reported what had happened and sent a doctor. When the doctor arrived again, Trout had moved the body to their bedroom and had already started changing her clothing to prepare her for burial. The doctor intervened and wanted to examine the body. Due to Trout um, getting increasingly agitated, and this is another reason I think he must have been a pretty scary man, the doctor cut his examination short and and did not have time to actually complete an examination because he was being pushy and he was doing and he was and he was being just apparently a real asshole um, throughout the entire examination. So he was not able to uh, to complete this, which they wouldn't actually find out until later on. He never told anyone that he didn't complete the examination. Later during the, the, the trial, he said that Trout's behavior became erratic and, and really hostile towards him while he was trying to examine the body. Um, so due to this, he listed the cause of death initially as... An everlasting faint. Okay? But then... Shut up. <laughs> but then, he changed it to simply one word. Childbirth. Zona was pregnant at the time of her death, but hadn't told anyone. So, the doctor doesn't get to complete his examination. Lists the cause of death as an everlasting faint, and then changed it later on to simply childbirth. Okay. The medical examination may not have been handled well. No. Is what I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. So we have a dead body. She was found at the bottom of some steps in the throes of an everlasting faint or childbirth. Who knows? And At the bottom of steps. At the bottom of steps. Cool. And her, her, she just fainted at the top of the stairs. And her erratic, angry husband ran the medical examiner out of their house. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know. Let's talk to Zona's mother. So her daughter has been found dead. She hears that it was due to an everlasting faint or childbirth, one or the other. And she starts to get a little bit mouthy about the whole thing. Good for her. Okay. So she was against oh. the marriage to begin with. And after the death of her daughter... Um, she is reported to have been telling her friends that she was praying that her daughter would come to her and tell her what had really happened. Okay, this is where this story gets very, very interesting. This is where we, we hit the Greenbrier ghost aspect of our story. So, Zona's mother um, is against the marriage to begin with, buries her daughter, um, totally understand why she is just sad and angry about everything starts to tell her friends and family that she is praying that her daughter will come to her from the afterlife and tell her what happened now when was when was spiritualism a big thing is it is it it now? would have been right yeah right there at the turn okay. of, the, of the 1900s it was big 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 yeah. so it doesn't surprise me yeah. that this was going on um Surprisingly, though, her prayer was answered, and her daughter 
came to visit her um, and knelt by her bedside and told her that Trout had murdered her. That could mean any number of things. Yes. So it could, you know, it's a real mystery. So Zona comes to visit her mother from the afterlife, kneels at her bedside. Apparently it actually happened multiple times. She visited her mother and told her mother what had happened, explained what had gone down. Um, I'm not sure her mother ever gave any details because I don't know that she had any, only that her daughter had been murdered. Okay. At first, her friends and neighbors scoffed at the idea that her daughter had visited from beyond the grave to solve her own murder, but eventually someone took her seriously. So armed with the story, um, allegedly told to her by the ghost of her daughter, Mary Jane Hester um, visited the local prosecutor named John Alfred Preston and spent several hours in his office convincing him to reopen the matter of her daughter's death. Whether he believed the story of the ghost is unknown, but he did have enough doubt to dispatch deputies to re-interview several people of interest in the case, including the medical examiner, the doctor, who did the the initial examination, Dr. Knapp. He was likely responding to public sen uh, sentiment um, as numerous locals had begun suggesting that Zona had been murdered. So again, I want to stress something here. The ghost aspect of this likely is not what caused them to reopen the case. Um, there was a lot of public outcry locally mm -hmm. that this man who was kind of unknown had murdered this young woman that he was married to. Um, so likely this is one of those last straw type of deals where, right. they, where he said, you know, at this point we've heard enough, like we need to, we need to look into it because where there's smoke, there might be fire. So again, the, the, in this case, the prosecutor was... Um, influenced by his, by by her mother, by Zona's mother, to reopen the case, but there's no evidence that he did it, he did it because of the ghost story. Um, so I want to make that very very clear uh, because there's th this has really become kind of an urban legend, and there's right. all like like if you hear it from some people, she literally like descended from the ceiling in in the courtroom and told her story and, and all that happened. That is not what occurred. Um, so you um, weren't there. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. <laughs> How would I possibly know? Um, Preston himself went and spoke with Dr. Knapp. So the prosecutor left his office, went to speak with the examiner who stated that he had not completed the examination of the body to be a fly on the wall during that conversation where the examiner explains, I didn't really do it because her husband was being a dick. Her husband was big, scary. So I decided not to do it anymore. Yeah. I'm a little man. He's big man. <laughs> I was scared. Uh, so, yeah, that's... I'm a man you know. of science. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> He's like, I, I cannot fight. Uh, there's a reason I became a doctor. Um, <laughs> this was viewed as sufficient justification for an autopsy. And, and uh, the body was exhumed. Um, and it was, and basically they create, they, they started an inquest. They, they, they put together a jury, they exhumed the body, they opened up a jury, um, to, be, to begin looking into what had happened. 
Um, Zona's body was examined on February 22nd, um, 1897, so about a month after she died, um, in the local one-room schoolhouse. So they got the kids out of school, said you can come back tomorrow, we have to cut someone open on your desks today. Uh, and had the kids leave. The autopsy lasted three hours and found that Zona's neck had been broken. According to the report published on March 9th, 1897, quote, the discovery was made that the neck was broken and the windpipe smashed. On the throat were marks of fingers indicating that she had been choked. The neck was dislocated between the first and second vertebrae. The ligaments were torn and ruptured. The windpipe had, the windpipe had been crushed um, at a point in front of the neck. Shortly after this, Trout was arrested and charged with the murder of his wife. Again, in this story, if you're, if you're listening to it, most people who report on this definitely report on it from the paranormal aspect of it and say the the story from a ghost is what caused this to happen. It, it likely is not. Again, guys, they there was a lot of public sentiment at the time, um, and likely the last straw for the prosecutor was the mother coming to see him. But, you know, I guess you could say that that's what happened. Um, it definitely makes the story more interesting. There's no chance whatsoever her mother was mildly hysteric and just looking for literally anything, right? Which I understand. And if it worked, it worked. Congratulations to her. You well, know? I mean, it's... Sir, um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, he mm -hmm. um, got into spiritualism after his son died for the same reason. Yeah. So, yeah. So I mean, there you go. I, it, and again, I'm not going to say that that's what caused it. I'm not going to say that's not what caused the, the, the inquest. Um, but it helped. And that's pretty interesting. That's uh, pretty darn interesting. So Trout was held in Lewisburg while waiting for his trial to begin. During this time, the information about his past started coming to light. As we covered before, he had been married twice. His first marriage had ended in divorce. Um, and what came out was his wife had accused him of, quote, great cruelty. Um, no. Yeah, so apparently he was not a very nice man. His second wife had died, um, again, under mysterious circumstances less than a year after they were married. So Zona was his third wife. And Trout began to talk um, of wishing that he would be able to wed seven women. And he was freely saying this and talking about his ambitions while he was in jail. Um, he told reporters that he was sure he would be let go because there was little evidence against him. So this dude is strutting around jail saying, I'm going to get away with it. And when I get out, I'm going to go marry me for more. I mean, that's, that's what this guy's doing. So he, he's literally saying, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go marry four more. So I've got three more murders coming guys. Just, just yeah. keep attention on me. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be the goat, uh, of, of killing wives. <laughs> that's what I'm going to be. So he's. Yeah, he's strutting around prison thinking there's no way that he's going to be uh, that he's going to be found guilty. Um, he did not think there was sufficient evidence against him. He was apparently talking about this not only with other prisoners, but with prison guards and with people who would come to just visit him. Anyone who would From, listen. like, the prosecutor's office. He was just, yeah, he was just doing his own thing, man. He was he was really filling himself. He's mansplaining his way right on through jail. Yeah, he was doing great. And, uh, spoiler alert, it does not work out well for him. <laughs> 
The yeah, trial... anything you say can and you will be used yeah. against you. Um, the trial began on June 22nd, 1897. Mary Jane Hester, the mother of Zona, uh, was Preston's star witness. He confined his questioning to the known facts of the case, skirting the issue of her ghostly sightings. So this is really, really interesting. The prosecutor, who was pro- who was attempting to find um, Trout guilty of this murder, did not bring up the ghost at all. Instead, he confined all of his questioning to the facts. I think that's very telling, and I think it's very interesting. Where this trial gets really interesting is the big, big, big misstep that the defense makes next. So excited. Yeah, this is good stuff. So this is where this gets interesting. Perhaps hoping to prove her unreliable, the defense lawyer questions uh, Miss he- Hester extensively about her daughter's visits on cross-examination. So, she- so the defense brings it up. The prosecution says, we don't need to talk about this. The defense brings it up. The tactic backfired big time. When Miss Hester would not waver in her account, despite quote intense lines of questioning, um, as the as the defense had introduced the issue, the judge found it impossible to instruct the jury to disregard the story of the ghost. Oh no! And many people in the community believed it already. So the defense, thinking they could make Miss Hester look crazy and make her crack at under examination at, at one of, at, at arguably the height of spiritualism in America, <laughs> introduces it, and the judge, what, the judge, and they had all talked about we we have to tell them that they can't listen to this this ghost business, but since the defense brings it up they can't tell them to strike it from the record. So it goes on the record. And this is why people talk about this as being the only court case in American history where the story from a ghost gets introduced into it and is allowed to stay. This is where this is interesting. Not whether or not the ghost was actually there, not whether or not it actually happened, but because the defense flubbed this so bad that the testimony of a ghost was allowed to be entered as evidence. Think about that. It's amazing. Right. This is, this is, this would, this will never happen again. This is the, this, oh my God. This will never happen again. The, the testimony of a ghost was allowed to be entered into evidence, basically, because the defense brought it up and thought they could make her look crazy. But the re- but all the jurors were like, yeah, that makes total sense. A ghost came to visit mom and told her what happened and she figured it out. Who do you think was more annoyed, this this judge or the one in the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial? This judge. This judge was like, are you, are you kidding me right now? The ju- you know, the judge was up there like, oh, I really have to do this. I actually have to do this. Um, and, and apparently, from what I read, the judge kind of wanted to and, and asked and basically asked the jury to disregard it. But then after thinking about it, he was like, I can't. Because, yeah. because they introduced it. You entered it. it. You introduced yeah. it. So because of that, so good. because of that, the underwhelming evidence that they had turned into a mountain of ghost evidence. <laughs> I mean, think about this. This is one of the most interesting things I've ever read in my entire life. So again, because the defense 
introduces the issue. The judge found it difficult to impossible to instruct the jury to disregard it, and they ate it. They took the bait, hook, line, and sinker. Trout was found guilty of murder on July 11th and sentenced to life in prison. (laughs) On the testimony of a ghost, guys. On the testimony of a ghost, okay? Um, A lynch mob was formed to take him from the jail and hang him, but the mob was successfully disbanded by the deputy sheriffs before any damage could be done. Um, four of the four of the mob's organizers later faced charges for their actions. Um, yeah, you're not allowed to form lynch mobs, guys. Trout died on March 13, 1900, in West Virginia State Penitentiary in Moundsville. He was literally in hell. That place was nasty. Um, the victim of an unknown epidemic. Uh, they, they don't know what caused it, but apparently there had been an illness that swept through that prison. Ghost pops. And uh, Yeah, it, it got him. He was buried in an unmarked grave in a local cemetery. So, there you go. The last thing that I want to say about this, before I get a little preachy here in a second, um, <laughs> is the fact that the state of West Virginia has erected a historical marker near the cemetery in which Zona Shue was buried. Would you like to know how it reads? I would love to. Have you ever seen it before? I have not. I have been to it before. I got Ooh. my picture with it. Interred in this in nearby cemetery is Zona Hester Shue. Her death in 1897 was presumed natural until her spirit appeared to her mother to describe how she was killed by her husband, Edward. Autopsy on the exhumed body verified the apparition's account. Edward, found guilty of murder, was sentenced to state prison um only known case in which the testimony of a ghost helped convict a murderer this is amazing yeah had you ever heard this whole story before no i had not um yeah this is this is another one i keep saying it when we do these west virginia cases which i am doing increasing amounts of now uh, because i'm getting them all kind of out of the way um because there's they're honestly they're extremely interesting um, there is no something. There is something about West Virginia that, like, we have this weird, like, lore and folklore kind of custom built into our state. Between Mamie Thurman, the Mothman, um, the uh, oh my gosh, Flatwoods Monster, mm-hmm. um, the Greenbrier Ma- Green Ghost, Ghost all Monster. of these. Yeah, we have this. I don't know if it's because we're so remote and 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 we're such a such a there are so many dark corners to this place uh, that it just lends itself really well to to uh, to folk tales and it does. you know the Greenbrier ghosts certainly turned into one. So the part where I want to get a little bit preachy about this, um, the ghost aspect of this is really really interesting and it, it is really wild. But to me, the most interesting part of it is what happened during the trial and the fact that the defense opened themselves up to this um, to to make it to where their client was correctly uh, found guilty of a murder that he absolutely did commit. I, there, beyond a shadow of a doubt, this man committed this murder. Um, I think what's more interesting about this is, you know, you think about this, and this was almost 130 years ago, and you would think that we had moved past mistakes like this examiner made, but we haven't. 
this still happens all the time. And unfortunately, there's not always going to be a ghost who pops up and wins your trial for you and, and helps you convict somebody. So, you know, the, the most interesting thing here is that a victim of murder found some justice. And whether and testified for themselves. And testified for themselves. Now, here's another interesting thing that I'm going to add really quick. Her mother, later on in her life, never came out and said that Zona did not come to visit her. But there are some rumblings that she told some people close to her that she was going to do what she had to do to get this man convicted of murdering her daughter. There are many people, locals at that time, who firmly believe that she made this up. So I'm going to throw that out there. I'm going to say that. Whether you believe that or not, whether you believe in ghosts, whether you believe in anything, all I know is a medical examiner screwed up, and it took a mom who either A, was visited by a ghost, or B, was very, very smart to get her murderer captured, um, convicted, and put in prison. So go her for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, go her. And guys, remember, you can call her the Greenbrier Ghost all day long, but her name was Zona Hester Shue. She was a real person. She actually died um, at the hands of a man who who had deceived her. Um, and, you know, she got justice. So good, good, for, uh, good for her family. Um, and... Uh, you know, not good for her. She had to die for it. But remember, there's a person behind the Greenbrier ghost. It's interesting. It's interesting to call it that. It's interesting folklore. But never forget the person. All right, that's all I have. I am <laughs> stunned. Yeah. This is, <laughs> I'm shocked a movie has never been made out of this. Um, I will say that uh, lots of stage plays have been made from mm-hmm. this story, um, which some people tell me are really good. It's also entered the public conversation quite a bit because it showed up on a histo- on a, uh, an episode of Drunk History. Did it? It sure did. Yep. Showed up on that. And there's a local brew made, made by Greenbrier Valley Brewing called Zona's Revenge. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. You can find it in all the local grocery stores. So, with that being said, this has been Main Corpse. <laughs> I hope you guys had fun. Sorry if this one was a little bit wild, but it's a, it's a really interesting story to tell. Anything you need to add before we uh, we wrap this thing up? No, let's tell them where they can find us if they somehow haven't already found us. If you haven't already found us... And um, just listen to all of this. Well, maybe a ghost brought our podcast to their Ooh. bedside. That's what happened. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Amazon Podcasts now. We're on that too. Uh, and iHeartRadio. Yeah, I remembered it. it. Boom. I re- she was literally leading me. She's like, come on, what's it called? Um, <laughs> so you can also find us any, any other place where great podcasts are found. So uh, stay creepy, guys. I hope you liked the episode. Mm-hmm.